As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Hi there, this is From the Rookery End, a podcast in association with The Athletic, and this is The Athletic's Watford correspondent, Adam Leventhal. I hope you are very well and looking forward to football returning. Uh, Dave is with me today. Dave, how are you? Yeah, I'm very good. I'm very good. It feels a long time ago Mm. now, doesn't it, since the Leeds game, since that mad 24 hours where Cisco was out, Ranieri was in, and we've kind of had that international break lull where we've all been doing other things... Now we've got Liverpool, Ranieri's had his first presser, football's back, and I'm excited, but I'm nervous, but I'm ready for it. Yeah, it's sort of yeah excitement mixed with a heavy helping of, of trepidation, because you are coming up against a, you know, a, a pretty awesome force uh, in Liverpool. And we thought we'd do this podcast today to just sort of reflect on Claudio Ranieri's first news conference. It was at Vicarage Road on Wednesday, took place at around about three o'clock. Some of you will have seen some of the clips on um, Sky Sports News if you were watching. You might have seen some other uh, clips on social media. And I do hope as well that you've read the article that I did on The Athletic, just trying to sort of put my take on what I heard and what I saw from Claudio Ranieri as he faced the media for the first time as a Watford head coach. And and my sort of overall feeling on it really was that it was it was very assured and he was pragmatic, he didn't overpromise, and he was just realistic because let's be brutally honest, and I seem to say that all the time, don't I? Brutally honest, that he will know that it's less about what he says and it's more about what he does that is the most important thing. And if he manages to get all the way till the end of the season and he's still in with a chance of keeping Watford in the Premier League, then that will be a success, especially considering the wretched run of games that he has to start off with as his uh, as the uh, the Watford head coach. Um, Dave, obviously, you know, you would have picked up bits on social media. You would have read the article on The Athletic and things like that. You know, how are you feeling for, from a sort of a fan's perspective now having Claudio Ranieri in the Watford dugout? Are you looking forward to seeing that? 
Yeah, I actually quite enjoyed the shots that the club put out of him, just kind of walking around the stadium. He's obviously been to the stadium many times as an opposition manager, but just kind of him walking around, just kind of looking at the stands, looking at the dugout, getting a feel for the place. It was nice to see him. Yeah, nice to see him in person, see him speak to the media. He's always good value, isn't he? We, we know that from his time, even his time at Chelsea back in the Tinkerman days. But, you know, the, the Leicester, he was really a... He was a media sort of darling, wasn't he, really, at Leicester, with the way he masterfully played that relationship with the media to kind of always keep the pressure off his players at Leicester. The Fulham thing, we've spoken about that before. We know it didn't go well. We'll talk about that later because he made a reference, a quite pointed reference, didn't he, to uh, to why maybe he thought it went wrong at Fulham. But if he can sort of slip back into that kind of charming, elder gentleman kind of role I think that might bleed through to the players like he, he kind of that that air of like don't worry like I've seen it all before it's all fine like we know what we're doing we know it's tough like he, he he's not he wasn't scared of even saying like oh, Liverpool like this is a really difficult game there wasn't this isn't a criticism of Cisco but you can imagine if Cisco was sitting in that chair he would have just probably gone oh yeah well it's a tough game and we'll do our best but Claudio just approaches it in a different way he, he he's got that that experience to be able to know when it's okay to kind of take your guard down and when to when to have your guard up. So I'm I'm encouraged. I am encouraged just by having him here. I feel I feel more safe and secure and assured than I would have done. I think if Cisco was still here. Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair enough. And I think you know let, let's 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 be sort of completely truthful with this. We all knew that that Shisko was was inexperienced, and ultimately that is what Gino Pozzo saw in the teams that he was putting out there and the performances. And he has gone to the polar opposite from you know from rookie to really vastly experienced head coach in in Claudio Ranieri. And before we talk more about you know that experience side of things, and we will throughout the, the podcast just drop in a, a few clips from the news conference. I wanted to just touch on something that there that you mentioned, Dave. And the fact that it was, you know, Claudio Ranieri at Vicarage Road in front of a, in front, this was recorded in front of a live studio audience. You know, the fact that it was <laughs> in front of a, a room of journalists, it, it it was a lovely thing to to have back. Now, you know, many of you may not be aware, but but in the in the Championship, especially when we were um, in lockdown and there weren't any crowds. Watford were one of the only teams really that, that continued to do their news conferences for home games in person. It was still socially distanced, but they felt that it was important. In the Premier League, it is all still in-game via Zoom. So your pre-match and your post-match are all via Zoom. So this was outside a little bit of the, of the Premier League remit. And I think Watford just wanted to be able to go, look, come on. We can be socially distanced. It can be controlled. Claudio Ranieri, unfortunately, and hopefully he will be able to do it in the future, this isn't going to be the day where he walks around the room and, and shakes everyone ha shakes everyone's hands like he, he did at Leicester City. He would love to do that. We're still going to sort of control that. But let's have that connection. And you get sort of a, an opportunity to, you know, just even make proper physical eye contact with with a head coach rather than via the delay of of zoom or you know in the future and, and in past you know news conferences with countless head coaches managers all sorts of different people players 
there is always that chance that you know if, if they take exception to something or if they liked your line of questioning or if they simply just want to say hello how are you all that sort of stuff you can do that and it's really really important i think it really does help so it, it was a nice experience for, for everyone that was in the room to to make that connection with with claudio ranieri and i think it was a nice start to his his tenure and hopefully it will continue beyond and into the into the new year and you know even further than that we, we hope but just on that point of well he did yeah, he did he did talk about next season didn't he, he meant, made mm. a few mentions to if we get 40 points this season then we want to get 41 points next season so um a brave man perhaps from from that standpoint <laughs> yeah. um should we should we hear from him let's hear because I, I thought the sort of the, the main main opening question and it was, I think it was from Sky's Gary Cotterill was quite an interesting one his answer was interesting to me, and I think the question was simply, why Watford? Why not Watford? Uh, Watford is a good team in Premier League. I know the Pozzo family since a long time ago. Uh, once, I think, uh, 20 years ago, roughly, uh, I met uh, the father of Mr. Uh, Gino Pozzo, Mr. Giampaolo Pozzo. He wanted me in, in Udine and uh, wasn't, uh, we didn't achieve the... And then we, we, always we were very, very close, but never I've, I had the, the uh, opportunity to, to manage the Udinese. And then when uh, Mr. Gino Pozzo called me after the Leeds defeat and asked me, uh, Claudio, would you like to come? And Watford, would you like to come back in Premier League? I said, why not? Unfortunately, my agent was uh, here in England and met uh, Mr. Pozzo. And then uh, Sunday, I, I take a, a plane and arrive here. Yeah, so there you go. I think it was, a, you know, it was an interesting start and it did sort of clarify from his point of view the, the sort of the recruitment process. And I, I remember mentioning in a, in a previous article that you know it was Claudio Ranieri's name was being mentioned behind the scenes however that has sort of translated through to actually getting through to the man himself whether he was sort of being prepared and waiting in the wings is you know up for debate and he said you know I didn't I didn't know until I got the call so you have to sort of take him at his word and an, another interesting thing that he said in the in the news conference and it does reflect on that sort of experience side of things that we were talking about before it came in a, in another answer maybe we can drop that one in um, now just just listen out for, for one little key sentence that he says in this and then we'll just reflect on it in a moment in Italy is an is a normal to change a managers. We have to do the, the, our best now. I can think about uh, the previous manager and uh, Cisco was my player in Valencia and then uh, I hope he can find a new solution very soon. And uh, But now I have to do the, my best for, for Watford. I'd love to know whether they've spoken. Uh, I, I don't know whether that was asked as a follow-up but that's what I would have asked if I was there. You know, they obviously know each other. I wonder whether Ranieri's given him a call even just to say you know, good luck in the future, or to say, tell me, what do you know? Tell me about the players. Like, can you can you give me any help at all? Because because we saw that Cisco um, posted on Twitter, didn't we? Sort of a very a very upbeat, positive, heartwarming message, sort of saying no no hard feelings, good luck, good luck, and I've loved my time. So I would be interested to know whether they've had a had a conversation. Maybe Ranieri thinks he's you know he wouldn't need to do that, but 
it was interesting that he made that reference, obviously, to Cisco being his player. And, and as you point out in your piece, it kind of underlines just the difference from where, of, from where we are now. We've, we've gone from Cisco, this young guy, you know, it is what, uh, late 30s, early, early 40s? 40s, yeah. I think, yeah. you know, yeah, early 40s to Ranieri, who is about to turn 70 next week. You couldn't really be further apart, could they? I'm sure it, it, it was of interest to the other journalists in the room, but it just really sort of stuck out for me and and it really stuck a flag in the fact that there's such a disparity between you know the, the predecessor and the successor in terms of of experience and when you actually look at it you know he said that Cisco was my player at Valencia that was in his second spell at the Mastaya his second spell was already 16 years ago and he was already 19 years deep into his managerial career as well you know he's been doing it for 35 years um and i just thought it was it was it was really interesting and and it just sort of set the tone for the rest of the discussion and it was interesting for me i bet i bet claudio never thought he'd end up at vicarage road at 78 no (laughs) all those years ago when he embarked on his managerial career the long and winding road (laughs) Or maybe the yellow brick road, exactly. indeed, would lead him lead him to Vicarage Road. <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. But I mean, I, I think it was, you know, he mentioned it in, in one of the clips that we, we've played there, the fact that there has always been that relationship with with the Pozzos, um, you know, older and, and younger. And it's, you know, funny that he would he would talk about, oh, yeah, I remember, you know, being approached by Gino's dad. And, it, you know, it's like <laughs> that was 20 years ago. So I, I think it, it just reinforces... Um, you know, how much of an institution he is. And and James Horncastle wrote a, a great piece with that as the title, I think it was, on The Athletic, that he is an institution. And, and it's well worth digging that one out on The Athletic. Um, but I did think that, it, yeah, it set the tone. And it also, I think, reminded the journalists in the room that you can speak to this guy about a whole range of topics. And, you know, he was asked about the Super League and, you know, whether almost the what he did with with Leicester City changed football altogether in in 2015-16 it made sort of the 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 little clubs dream again and you know the super league was almost going to stamp that opportunity out and he didn't really didn't really bite on that as a as a topic to be honest because his sort of his MO is it was pretty much the day after we won the title with Leicester City that I started thinking about the next thing. He doesn't necessarily look back too much. And I think that that's quite a good thing. And it may well come in handy, you know, when, we're, when, we're, when we've just played Manchester City or we've just played Liverpool or we've just played um, Chelsea in this next run of games. Because as he said as well, you know, there are going to be bumps in the road. There are going to be difficult moments and we all need to, to stick together. And the one thing that I did think that was really interesting, that the main thing that he seemed to have taken from the Leicester City title win, which I actually felt was, I felt like it was like listening to to one of your older relatives or to your dad or to your granddad or something like that, just saying something wise. And I really liked it. And he said that basically Leicester winning the title, it wasn't about the achievement itself. It was more that for anyone in life, it made them think that anything is possible. If it gave them the belief that they can go and do something, then that is something to be grabbed hold of. And I really like that. And I really hope, you know, that it is a successful time for for Claudio Ranieri at Vicarage Road. And we just now have to sort of think, right, well, how do we manage this relationship? How do we, the fans, 
I mean, aside from me being a journalist, I'm I'm a fan. You know, how is how is that connection going to be made? And it is basically mm. what we see on the field because everyone yeah. loved everyone loved Shisko Munoz. You know that they might have. Well, had you different- say you say that. I, I, well, so I don't think anyone. Had, nobody disliked him. I don't think any, he didn't have any. There was no rancor towards exactly, him. Exactly, but, but 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 John said an interesting thing in the WhatsApp group last week that he felt like he never had a relationship with Cisco. And I think obviously the main thing for that is we didn't get. We, we, we had five games at Vicarage Road with fans during his tenure, and you just don't have that chance. You know, he never had a song. No, you yeah. know how many of our managers have had songs over the over the recent years? Quite quite a few of yeah. them, but Cisco didn't get one. We need a one um, size fits all one where any any name can just slot in. Yeah. You are our manager for now. You are our manager, <laughs> whatever it is. You know, sorry, carry on, carry on. I'm exactly. On. Yeah, but like, I feel like unless you know, unless we have the worst case scenario and it's a Fulham style situation where he's here and he's gone. I feel we will have a connection with Claudio. I th- I'd just be just from hearing him yesterday, knowing the guy he is, I think he will appreciate the importance of having a relationship with the supporters a- as well and being that sort of open character and, 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 you know, wanting the crowd, leaning on the crowd to play their part. So that will be another interesting element of what's coming up is that, again, we've got somebody that we can relate to in a way or we can we can attach ourselves to we can put our hopes in him and hopefully we'll get a bit back from him we will get more back from him than we got again this is not a criticism of Cisco he was chucked in at the deep end and did a did as good as he could have done I think but you will just you'll just get to get more of a of a feeling from Ranieri he'll, be, he'll you know even though his English is still not perfect at the, at the grand old age of 70 it's it's more expressive than Cisco's was certainly than the Vladimir Ivich's was before him as well. You know, we've got someone that we can enjoy hearing from, even in the bad times. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Premieres May 2nd on FX. Stream on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. A Watford FC podcast brought to you by The Athletic. This is from the Rookery End. Let's <laughs> go. 
we've seen clips of him on on social media, um, and I think it's been interesting over the over the course of the the international break just to see the little just little bursts of things that they've been putting out um, of him on the training field, and you know, and this maybe leads on to to what what we can talk about now tactically and and his sort of his philosophy. Mm. I really like the one where he was just shouting second balls, second balls on the on the training field, you know, just sort of having that urgency, which was actually, and it's it's really it's really strange actually. I think if you if you look at it, that that was one of the successes I thought of Shisco Munoz, his energy and the energy that he he injected into his teams at all times in the championship, and then I think he was thinking in the Premier League. We need to be different. We can't be so eager beaver. We have to be a little bit more reserved. We have to really concentrate on our shape and things like that. I Yes, you do. But I think he lost something in, in doing that. And and I think that Ranieri will bring that back. You know, he likes to press. He likes to be controlled in the way that they press. Just a little bit more focus, a little bit more of a... There will be a bit more um, weight to what he says. He will be able to give examples using, you know, experienced players. He'll be able to name drop, you know, managers and, and players that he's worked with that the players will then be able to cross-reference and go, yeah, he knows what he's talking about. He's been here. He's done it. Let's trust what he's saying. Let's let's press here because this this might happen in the future. And what I found... Do you know my favourite thing about the clips from the training? Go on. Is the little, the little stopwatch. Yes, I love his old school yeah. yellow stopwatch that he's yeah, got around yeah, his yeah. around his neck at all times. But you're right, he does, he does, he does. Uh, you see the little, and you, we all we all read too much into these clips, don't we? That we see ten seconds of him talking to William Trooster Kong. You know, God knows what they were saying. Probably saying, "Oh, you're okay, yeah, yeah. good journey in." Yeah. But we're sitting there thinking he's probably going right when you're here. You've got to do this and yeah. do that. But like, it, I don't know. It, he, again, he's so experienced. You hope that he is imparting some of that knowledge. And he did talk in the press conference said, and said, if I can improve each one of yeah. our players just by a little bit, yeah. the whole team then improves by quite a lot. Yeah. And he said he, he, he doesn't think that, they, you know, that they've been asleep. They don't need to wake up. They just need to you know, sort of change their philosophy a little bit. And I think that there are... It's interesting, you know, he got that reputation and you mentioned it earlier of, of, as, you know, the tinker man uh, at Chelsea. And he saw, it was sort of... He was maligned for that reputation of changing too much at Chelsea all the yeah. time, and then chasing too much, uh, cha changing too much too soon at, at Leicester City. I think it is only tinkers here and there that Watford need. Mm. You know, he's got the squad that is actually quite a slender squad. It was looking, you know, rather bloated as we were coming in. You know, to, towards the end of the the transfer window, but it has been streamlined. Obviously, there has been injuries, but there's been key departures. So there's not loads and loads of different options there's just little mm. things that he just needs to just eke out and i think that you know he's got an opportunity just to sort of with it with a decent foundation of seven points from seven games you know that's not to be sniffed at it's not amazing and yes i'm sure we'll sort of drop into the relegation zone over the next course of however many games it is depending on what happens but you know there are only little things that he needs to do and just get that like you say and he mentioned it you know, just little incremental improvements on what Saar does and when he does it. That can be a game changer in, in matches, as we've seen against Liverpool at home, you know, back in back in uh, last year before before lockdown and things like that. But if he can get the players playing to their potential, and to be honest, we have said this on numerous occasions with every head coach that comes in, they want the best players on the pitch playing to their potential, the hierarchy. That's what they want. Hopefully, 
with the connection that Ranieri has with Gino Pozzo, with sort of you expect them being on the same page, they will be able to come up with a solution. And and hopefully, hopefully he will be able to do it. And, you know, you mentioned earlier on about he had a little dig at, at Fulham. It is worth mentioning. And it is a mm. reminder that he's a bit more old school. He worked with another son of an owner. Shahid Khan is the owner to- of Fulham. Tony Khan. Yeah, so Shahid Khan's the, the mm. dad. He was working with Tony Khan. And, you know, he, he said... He was into he he used the world used the word algorithmics you know so like stats stats and everything and that is his background that is, is that, that is that an actual word it's, no 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 I I, th- I did try I I looked algorithmics is not yeah, a yeah. word um, Annie Lennox and Dave Stewart's preferred method of player recruitment <laughs> yeah <laughs> very good um, but no look Tony Khan is into you know statistics and that is his that is his business background and that's fine. But it just didn't match up with with Ranieri. Ranieri is more into, I don't know, that the emotion. Yes, there is tactical nous to the whole thing, but but emotion and the way of doing things, not necessarily the 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 metrics, the tiny little you know data details. It's more about what he sees, whether it passes the eye test. And he did talk about the fact that you know that's what he was like as a as a as a younger player. It was all about being strong, being passionate. And, you know, winning your duels, it sounds very simple, doesn't it? But it's what everyone says. I think I heard Graham Souness say it the other day. It's like the first thing that you do in a match is make sure you win your first tackle. Make sure you win your first battle against your opposite number. Mm. It's simple. And that's what Watford did against Aston Villa. They set the tone for the season. And you thought, wow, if they carry on doing that against whoever they're playing, but then they lost it. So if he can reinstall that then I think he's got a chance. He did talk about that. He did talk about, you know, some quite back-to-basic stuff about being aggressive. Yeah. You know, he said he likes English football because it's, even though the quality is high, there is still that element of it being a battle and that you have to be strong and you have to win all your your, your battles and everything. And that is true. Um, in the, the reference to the, to the Fulham situation was interesting, though. So clearly there was something that didn't sit right with him there. And, and I think there have been other managers. I think even... You know, throughout Scott Parker's tenure, there was yeah. certainly grumblings Absolutely. from yeah. listening to the to the guys who do the Fulhamish podcast for us. There, you know, they the, the sort of Tony Khan situation continues to be an issue for them, I think. But it's not a million miles away from what he'll have to deal with here. Maybe he'll get less interference. Obviously, there's going to be hopefully, certainly starting off on a better foot and a more of a relationship between him, him and Gino. But obviously, we'll, we we've got Cristiano Giretta, we've got people in the backroom staff who will who will. I don't think they're going to sit down with Claudio and go, right, Claudio, who do you want in January? You know, it will be the usual process, won't it, of these are the sort of players we, we might bring in. This is what we're thinking of doing. He'll have an input. But equally, if you look at his time at Leicester, he had Steve Walsh with him there, who was there before him and was the guy that recruited N'Golo Conte, who got Riyad Mahrez and unearthed some of these these sort of gems and polished them up and we all know what happened. So he, he will be comfortable in working in our in our structure, in our with, with our processes. But I think the key thing is obviously the relationship that he's already talked about should mean that it should be relatively harmonious off the field, I think. Um, but as you say, you know, we've sat here, we've talked about what he said, how he makes us feel, his experience. And as you make the point in your piece, all of that will ultimately count for nothing if we then go on to lose the next eight games. We have to see 
if not points, we have to see improvement and and reasons to be optimistic from the upcoming games, starting with this big game against Liverpool on Saturday, which is interesting that it is the reverse of Nigel Pearson's first full game in charge, which was against Liverpool at Anfield on a Saturday 12.30 kickoff. And if you remember that game, we did okay in that game. And that was when they were steamrolling to their way to the to the title. And we nearly, you know, we on another day could have potentially got a point or if not one uh, on, on that day. And obviously we know about the game at Vicarage Road as well. So if you're going to catch Liverpool cold, it feels like to me, this is the ideal chance to do it because it's Saturday, 12.30, after an international break. They've got some players missing. You know, it looks like the Brazilians, Alisson and Fabinho won't be there. Thiago's not going to play. Trent Alexander-Arnold will be back. Klopp has confirmed. Diego Jota probably back, maybe on the bench, but definitely fit enough to play a part. So, you know, maybe I'm clutching at straws. Maybe I'm just trying to find reasons to be optimistic, but it feels like there's a slight glimmer of hope, maybe. Yeah, look, of course, and for all the reasons that you've mentioned, that there is a chance being after the international break, maybe, you know, their first choice players might not all be available. Obviously, they are still a very, very talented squad. But yeah, there is an opportunity for Watford. And I think that the, the main element of it, and, and he, Ranieri, alluded to this in, in his news conference, is that he wants to make sure that in every game, and it sounds like a bit of a cliche, but that they walk off the field knowing that they have been in a battle and that they have given their best all the way through. If you compare it to the Leeds game, Watford didn't walk off you know, in disarray that, you know, everyone was looking and talking to, talking to each other, basically going, oh, I can't believe how we've been set up. But they, they weren't downing tools. They just weren't really prepared for that battle. And what Watford need to do is now against, you know, a similarly tricky opponent, you know, Leeds tricky because of the way that they play, Liverpool tricky because of the the extreme quality, especially that they have in attacking areas, Watford need to put together a performance that will be heartening. You know, if it's backs to the wall, all game. It's just the performance. And and it's very similar. And it's a great point that you made about that Pearson's first game at Anfield. I was sat alongside Simon Hughes, one of the Liverpool writers for, for The Athletic. And he was like... I mean, and Liverpool were absolutely flying at that point. It was almost as if they just turned up and won. And it was easy. It was no, no problem. Watford turned up. Saar was on the money. Decore could have scored. Saar could have scored. They were flying. Absolutely flying. And it took Liverpool to actually wake up to, to then go on and win the game. And I would expect that Liverpool will probably win at Vicarage Road. There's no sort of... There's no sort of um, uh, I have no problem in in saying that because they have have that quality. But if Watford can put away an early chance and get them thinking, the roof will be off once again and it will be a great start to the Ranieri era. Just to show, and this is another thing, and there's a couple of other articles recently that I wanted to point you in the direction of on The Athletic. One that dropped today, Thursday, from uh, from Tom Warville, where he goes through all the the data on, on how every team in the Premier League have been playing so far this season. And he does highlight the fact that Watford are... They're, they're, they're doing okay. And it's slightly surprising that they have got rid of their head coach. But they need to be more cohesive in the final third 
and they need to be having more shots. Very, very simple. You know, they, they need to be upping their XG, looking more dangerous. It's interesting to hear you say that, Adam, because reading the piece that you did in conjunction with, I think, Mark Carey. I don't know if Tom Wall will have an input as well, but another one of our stats guys, Mark, Mark Carey, and, and reading James Horncastle's pieces on Ranieri in, in the last week or so. The, the data from his time at Sampdoria suggested a couple of, couple of things stood out. One was that they were very high in terms of winning the ball back, pressing. You know, the, 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 the stat is PPDA, so passes per defensive action. How many passes do you allow the opposition per one of your defensive actions to win the ball back? They were one of the highest teams, even though they finished mid-table, they were one of the highest teams at PPDA in Serie A for, for Ranieri's final season. But they were not very high at all in terms of the goals they scored, the XG they had, and the shots they were taking on goal. So they were they were winning the ball back. They were, they were a proper counter-attacking team. They were solid. But they weren't all action. They weren't flooding the opposition box. They weren't. They weren't a high-scoring outfit. So that if we are, if he might change it completely, he might look at these players and think I'm going to have to play in a different way. But if he does follow that template, that will be interesting to see how how that sort of manifests itself on the pitch for for us at this moment in time. No, I agree. I think that's a really that's a really important point. But I think the fact that if you just take out the fact that we haven't really been pressing high at all, we might have been winning the ball back in our back four, but we didn't then necessarily know what the next step was. If we are going to be winning the ball higher up the pitch, if you go back to sort of the last Premier League season, a good example of this is against Bournemouth, for example. And I, I did a piece about Watford's pressing pressing concern earlier on in the season. Doing it properly, not half-heartedly. Press your opponent, cause the problems. That's, that's exactly and right. And then you yeah. can break and you're breaking it's higher committing. up the pitch. You know, do it properly. If you're going to yeah. do it, do it properly. Don't And if you're not going to, if you're not going to do it properly... Don't bother at all because you're wasting your you're wasting energy. Yeah, you know, that's that's I think that's the main thrust for for Ranieri and, and he will know. Right, we are going to do this. I I will back you to do this, and while I will also have a plan of action if our press gets played through, you know, because I hopefully will have drilled my defenders to defend better, or I will demand it for my holding midfielder to make sure that he gets back. There's no one going to be, no one's going to run past us. You know, it's going to be these sort of key elements. So it's going to be fascinating to watch the game against Liverpool to to see the, the tangible differences. But I think what, and this is another thing to, to also just mark everyone's card, that he's been in an international break. He hasn't had some of his key players I mean, obviously, you know, Francisco Sierralta is is out for a, a, a longer period. Christian Cabaselli is going to be out for for a little bit longer. It was encouraging that that Joshua King is sort of, although his knee is strapped up, he is seemingly come back earlier than than was expected. So that is good. But obviously, he's had all his international players away. He's only been able to start training with his full group that is available on Thursday. So I think he also knows, yes, I've been able to train with a select group of players, but I'm not really going to know the issues until I see it out on the field. And yes, he will have done his video analysis. He's got trusted assistants who will have done that and things like that. But until he has been able to go, right, I'm going to tell them to go and do this. And then I will see whether they do it against a really tough opponent until Mm. the end of that game. He probably won't really know what he's going to do for the next game. So this is almost like a a really sort of acute test of his sort of managerial nous to be able to try and put a team together, having not really trained with them 
for the majority of this two weeks as he's also getting his, his you know his feet under the desk. Yeah, definitely. And we obviously made the point about Liverpool waiting for players to come back from the international break. We're in the same boat. You know, a lot of our players will be in exactly the same position. So, you know, it depends which way you want to look at it, really, doesn't it? And it will be definitely be a challenge for Ranieri to get the team playing how he wants in just face of basically only having worked with most of them for a few days. So we should temper our expectations slightly. We should definitely remember that on Saturday, even if it goes horrendously wrong. I've just got memories. We've kind of forgotten about it because of the last couple of games has been, have been okay. But there was a series of absolute batterings at the hands of Liverpool, weren't there? You know, a few seasons back, I was, I was at Anfield for one. I think it was 5-1, maybe 6-1. And... Yeah, I still have nightmares about that journey home. But um, yeah, I just don't want to see that. And I think the thing that a lot of people are concerned about are, is the central defence. As you mentioned, Sierra is out injured, maybe not for as long as we initially feared, but still out for a couple of weeks yet. Cabasele looks like he'll be out for longer than than Sierra Both got injured at Leeds. Nicholas Nkulu is not ready yet. He hasn't played any football for quite a long time. He's obviously been brought in as cover, but Ranieri said he won't be ready for at least three weeks in terms of getting himself up to match fitness and up to speed. So it is very much over to you, Craig Cathcart, William Trooster Kong. You are the only two left and you've got to deal with it. And we've had our, we've had our concerns about Cathcart already this season. We know Trooster Kong's strengths and weaknesses. So we're going to have, you know, they're, they're going to have to be the guys and God forbid if one of them gets injured or sent off if Craig you know that's the thing if if Cathcart is on like a yellow card at any time in the next couple of weeks he's going to be really worried about having to really walk on eggshells in terms of not getting a booking and getting a suspension so that is the concern but all most other areas of the team you, you'd think okay we're, we're looking we're looking okay Atibo's injured but still got plenty of options in the midfield Josh King might be back, but again, still got plenty of options up front. So there's, as we've mentioned, there's plenty of things for, for Claudio to, to work with. I thought we should just finish on one final clip of, of Claudio. And I think this is something that will very much run and run, because I don't necessarily think we're going to get a resolution uh, to it this weekend. Um, but as you will remember, when he was at Leicester in that season, they were struggling to keep clean sheets for a little while. I think this is sort of halfway through the season when they were kind of bubbling away, but they you know, needed to be a bit better. And he really wanted them to keep clean sheets. And he said to the media, if we keep a clean sheet against Stoke in the next match, I will buy my players pizza. I've promised them that they can have pizza. That's their reward as their incentive to keep a clean sheet. So somebody at the press conference yesterday asked him the same question, whether he was going to employ that same approach if we get a clean sheet against Liverpool. Ah, no pizza. I pay, I pay a dinner if I, if I take a clean sheet. A pizza is too, too little. No, no, no. A dinner, a dinner. <laughs> Thank you. So where, the big question is, where is he going to go for dinner? I think the the obvious first choice would be Latista on the high street. Yeah, well, definitely. And it's inter it's interesting you mentioned Latista because uh, during this international break, and sometimes you know you, you get an opportunity to sort of uh, branch out a little bit and and do things that are a little bit unexpected. Um, I caught up with Tamas Priskin, and he said oh, that yeah. one of one of his favourite restaurants in Watford was Latista. And I have I have such fond memories of taking my my late grandfather there. He used to love going to Latista. I I used to go to the Latista in North London under a bridge in uh, Golders Green, which was near to where I grew up in in North London. And that was one of the day. At one one time, I got starstruck, but I was so proud of myself that John Barnes, who was still playing then, he was having uh, dinner 
at Latista and I saw John Barnes on a table next to us and I thought, right, I'm going to go and ask him for his for his autograph. I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. And I went over and I went, yeah, John, yeah, yeah, can you sign that for me? Yeah, yeah. To, like, as I, saw, I was, I don't know how old I was, like 13 <laughs> or 40, whatever it was. Signed it and I was, I, I was 10 foot tall after that. I couldn't be too tall because it is under a bridge. But, you know, it was, <laughs> no, I just, I have, like, Latista means a lot. So, yeah, hopefully... But then I suppose he's not going to go to Latista because it's a pizza restaurant. So this is all sort of a, a, a moot point, really, isn't it? Yeah, they'd probably do pasta as well. <laughs> they could do pasta. Probably rustle up a few steaks if yeah, they ask. Nicely. I would hope so. But no, yeah, yeah, it would be nice. And yeah, it was just a, it, that, I suppose, just to round it all up. By the way, you can read that that piece uh, about Priskin on, on The Athletic. But on, you know, Ranieri, he was warm. There was moments where he was witty. But there is depth and there is substance to what he says. And hopefully, 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 and I know we've been here countless times before, but hopefully it is the start of a, of a, of a beautiful relationship between Ranieri and Watford. Fingers crossed, fingers crossed. Just a, a quick word, if you, if you aren't yet a subscriber to The Athletic and you want to uh, become part of the family and read all the articles that we do whenever there is a head coach transition about uh, analysis of of um, the how the team is performing. Oh, quick word, by the way, Imran Loser as well. I, I dropped him into an article on The Athletic about the player that I want to see playing more minutes because I think if he can get him playing, and I know I can see your face because we're recording this over Zoom, Dave, you're already like, just just shut up about Loser, okay? Just shut up about Loser. It's not going to happen. But <laughs> He got an assist for, for Morocco. He did. The well, week. there you go. You see, it's it's gradually getting better. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I did do a... Um, I, I contributed to a broader piece where everyone's... All the reporters put in who they want to be playing more minutes for their club. So I put in Imran Loser. So, yeah, you can read that, all the analysis, all that sort of stuff, and a whole range of other stuff on The Athletic. And if you want to be part of it go to theathletic.com forward slash rookery end and you'll be able to get a discount currently of 33% for your uh, subscription. That is a bit of a bargain. So join in. And of course, after the game against Liverpool, there will be another from the Rookery End podcast. We are here after every game and every Thursday as well. That's when I take uh, the big boy seat and host the show alongside the cast of many uh, that contribute to from the Rookery End. So, Dave, thank you very much indeed. Enjoy Saturday. Thank you. Hopefully I will. Yes. Come rain or yeah, shine. Yeah, quite right. Let's just go out there, enjoy it, and, you know, let's be the underdog and enjoy being the underdog. You know, if, if the worst happens, it happens, but let's give it a good, good bloody go. Thanks very much, everyone, for joining us, and uh, we will see you after the game against Liverpool. Fingers crossed. Take care. The Athletic.